The end of 2021 is almost here and it's time to wrap up the second season of The Work Item. And what better way to do that than to invite a good friend on the show to talk about their journey through the past 12 months. In this episode, I am chatting with Mayuko Inoue about all things 2021, the best choices in comfort foods, McDonald's french fries, thoughts on the content creator career path, and way, way more. We wanted to make this episode very informal and yet informative. To borrow Mayuko's intro to her own podcast, Muko's Corner, which you should totally subscribe to, sit down, get cozy, grab a cup of tea, and enjoy the show. All right, folks, welcome to the last episode of the work item for the year, as sad as it sounds, but we have a guest that needs no introduction, or I don't think it needs no introduction, but I mean, <laughs> y'all know who Mayuko is from the Hello Mayuko channel, the YouTube, internet. the internet, <laughs> because you're literally everywhere. Uh, so welcome, Mayuko. Hello. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I didn't know this is the last episode of the year. I'm so honored that I'm your last guest. Thank you for having me. I had such a good time last time I was on it, so I'm stoked to be here again. Yes. And... We're recording this in November, so it's not quite the end of the year, but that's okay. But it's getting there. It's get, it, it's it November. It is getting there. It is November. Like it's November. I don't know. It's so like it's this year passed by so fast that I'm like, oh my gosh, the holidays are coming up. Literally this week, I was like, a, a brand that I was working with was like, oh, can we move the date because Black Friday's coming up? We want to time it with that. I was just like, oh my gosh, Black Friday's in like three weeks. November. <laughs> it is November. It's scary. Yeah, the other day I looked at the calendar. I was like, wait, first of what? <laughs> All the people listening to this are probably like, yeah, yeah. But like it's December or January or whenever they're listening to this. But yeah. Yeah. Crazy year it's been. It, it it has been. Probably a little bit less crazy than the year before. But oh, yeah. We're used to this by now. <laughs> it's been like what? Like a decade since then? I don't know. I lost track of time. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> so we started the year with an interview with you and we are wrapping up the year with an interview with you. <laughs> How has 2021 been for you? 2021 has been a ride. Uh, it's been, yeah, I think like, you know, you mentioned just like 2020 was probably crazier than this year. And I think that's, that is probably how my year was. Cause you know, it's like 2020, we had so many expectations and plans. We we're like new decade, how exciting. And then like COVID just like burned everything. And we're still in COVID time and we've had like lots of ups and downs with the optimism and hopefulness of vaccines rolling out and stuff like that. But I think like me, like a lot of people have been very cautiously optimistic. Um, and I think because of last year, I've I've like been like, OK, I can't do everything that I want to do, but what it's in what is in my power to do. So it's been good. I think I've I've really kind of just like kept going with this whole content creation thing um practiced a lot of like gratitude and like um like self-reflection as usual and just like growing and becoming a better version of me I guess but it's also weird because I turned 29 this year and I was telling Scott my husband I was like dude I don't feel like a day over 27 but then I realized 27 is when the pandemic started so time has just been weird yeah, I don't know. This year is has been very different from every year, which is how I what I say about every year. So, <laughs> how has your 2021 been? 
Ah, uh, it, you know, it's been, also it's been a ride because I started the year working a corporate job. I'm ending the year working at a startup, which is yeah, a pretty big, change. big life change. Yeah, this is a, a whole different pace. I think that's the big one. And uh, my wife and I, we are continue working on our uh, immigration case. So hopefully we're moving to the States very soon. But Ooh, that's, uh, yes, fingers crossed. That's in progress. So that takes forever, as we always know. Um, <laughs> and uh, for folks listening to this uh, that are uh, abroad, that this process usually takes a very, very long time, no matter which route you go, whether it's through employment or student or whatever it is. So... Uh, but other than that, it's been good. You know, it's uh, it's just like you mentioned. I think it's been all about growth, self-reflection, taking a step back, and kind of thinking about what's what's really important in my life. What's really important yeah. is, you know, it's kind of that realization that the important part is relationships. It's the people that you spend time with. You know, jobs will change. Crises will appear and pop out of nowhere. I mean, who knew that the pandemic was coming, right? Like, nobody. Yeah. And yet here we are. Yeah. That whole kind of like relationships is important also has been a theme for me. But I think it's also because last year we just didn't see anybody like (laughs) we're all like had digital, you know, relationships, like catching up with people over FaceTime and stuff. But we didn't like spend physical time and space with folks. But like, dude, my October has been so busy socially wise, uh, which has both been like so good. Because I'm just like, oh, my God, I get to be around other people again and hang out and, like, share space. But I'm also so unprepared for that. <laughs> like, I've just been like, I'm so socially exhausted because I've been out of practice. But I know that I'm doing what matters to me. And, like, after a year of not doing this, I realize how important it is to have in my life. You know, it's like when you don't work out for a while, your muscles atrophy. Like this is what it feels like in the social side of Literally. things. Where like you have not socialized for so long that now spending time with all these people, it's all of a sudden just like, ooh, like let's bump the brakes a little bit. For sure. You're like, why is my voice kind of going away? Or like, why am I just so tired? And it's just like, oh, because I haven't used it this much in a long time. Yes, this was this was Tiffany and I when we went to see our friends a couple of weeks ago and literally came home after spending like, I don't know, four hours. And like, we're exhausted. We haven't <laughs> done anything. We literally just hang out with friends. It's not like we like physically exerted ourselves. No, it's just like hanging out with friends. Yeah. I mean, I went to my first like post-COVID wedding in early September and I'm usually the type to like stay to the end of like the very end of the wedding, right? Like 10 or 11 o'clock. But like as soon as the dancing started, which is around like 9 or 9.30, I was like, Scott, we got to go. Like I am done. Like I have no nothing else left in me. I've said hi to everybody. I've had one drink or two. Like we've been there for all the things. I want to go home and just get McDonald's on the way and not talk to anybody. <laughs> now you just reminded me that this year, that's another thing that changed. McDonald's on the way became the staple of any road <laughs> trip anywhere. Um, yeah. Literally because it's the easiest and fastest. And I do miss in and out that's one oh, thing yeah. that last time I had in and out was 2018 when we went to visit San Francisco. 
Oh. And that was in and out. And after that, never had it since. And I'm just like, I'm looking forward to everything opening up because I can finally travel and get in and out. <laughs> I'm so glad you're one of the people who look forward to in and out because I feel like in and out is kind of a controversial thing where people are like, it's not even that good or like Shake Shack is better. But you talk to any Californian, it's just like, but it's like a part of our childhood. It's a part of the Californian identity. So I'm glad that you appreciate it because there's something about in and out that like, other fast food chains can't fill. But yeah, no, definitely. Fast food has become a staple in probably everybody's lives during pandemic. It's my, again, my wife is making fun of me because I don't have the most refined taste in food, but somehow I can sense the difference between an In-N-Out burger and a McDonald's burger. Go figure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I will say, I think McDonald's fries is definitely superior to In-N-Out fries. Yes. Yes, yeah. that I agree with. That <laughs> easily the winner. And I think I would go to McDonald's just to get the fries. So easily. that's what I do now. Literally, I'm just like, well, can't like, especially before, like we couldn't go anywhere. I would just be like, Scott, do you want to just like go get some fries through drive through? And it was like the highlight of my week. <laughs> I just like the idea of very confused attendants. Like, what do you want? And it's like fries. I'm like, okay, anything else with them? <laughs> Extra nope. fries. I don't know. <laughs> Can we also get some dip with that? Uh, different sauces because we're going to taste which fry tastes best with which kind of sauce. Yeah. And can we have some more fries on the side of the dip, please? Yeah. <laughs> so. Just make sure they're hot, fresh fries. I just think McDonald's fries are like, they have like the best fry integrity. And I, I don't know. I also really like salty foods. Um, I think it's just because Japanese people just like, love salt and soy sauce and stuff but like i think mcdonald's is like perfectly salty man now i want mcdonald's we look at mcdonald's tonight <laughs> right like we're talking <laughs> about this stuff and i'm thinking like hmm i'm getting kind of hungry i know it's midweek wednesday like maybe we deserve a little snack you know like maybe we deserve some mcdonald's uh i'm gonna have to make a case to scott later because we are actually gonna get takeout later <laughs> Well, there you go. Benefit of this podcast, inspiration for fast food. <laughs> but with everything going on in 2021, what were, you know, because you're a content creator that arguably probably the most prolific content creator in tech, period. Oh, what were some you. of the maybe challenges or let's put it even like learning experiences through the past year that you saw as a content creator that maybe did not kind of show up the years before? Yeah. So, um, this was the first full like calendar year in which I was a content creator because uh, last year I quit my job in January and didn't really start doing the whole content creator thing until March. So this year I was like from beginning to end, I am a content creator. Um, and with that, I think like like one of the whole reasons why I became a content creator full time to begin with is so that I could work on bigger projects, like kind of grow and learn, kind of explore this side of myself that I didn't get to um as a software engineer and so i think three of i thought of three things like challenges learning experiences the first is that i can do hard things like that's something that like you know you always know um like given just past experience that like oh yeah i've done that before so like i, I can do difficult things but I feel like as you get older you're like okay i can do harder and harder things and this year i just took on bigger projects like i did my tedx ucsd talk in may and that was arguably one of the biggest projects I've worked on because like while I do videos and stuff, I haven't had that many opportunities to do like 
public speaking in that sort of capacity. So I worked on that talk for like five months, like every week met with somebody on the team to like refine my talk and stuff. Um, and just like a TEDx talk was something that I was just like, this is a career goal of mine. If I check it off at one point, that'd be great. And like it came in the second year of doing content creation, which was unbelievable. Shout out to the team for giving me the opportunity. But I really felt a sense of like pride and accomplishment when I finished that because I was just like, yo, like I was so freaked out about doing that when I got the opportunity, like major imposter syndrome, like me, like why me? Like I... I, I don't know what I can provide to the TEDx community. Um, and then doing the talk and being like, wow, that was the most Mayuko talk I could have ever thought of. Um, and I was really happy with how I delivered it. And a lot of my friends and family were able to like tune in on Zoom and stuff. So that's one thing, like definitely just like learning that, you know, if I want to, I can do things, <laughs> which, is, which is a good thing to learn. Um, the second one, and it is really tied with the first one. All of these are tied together, obviously. But the second one being like creative work is like really challenging, I suppose. Um, this is also just like like the third thing that I learned is like I like working for myself. But the whole thing about content creation is like there's an inherently creative part of the job that didn't really show up for me as a software engineer, I guess. I guess like you know, this is just me, like my two cents, but like whenever I was, when, whenever people were like, oh, but you can be creative in, as a software engineer. Um, it's true. I think there's certain ways to be creative in like the solutions that you create and the way that you like solve technical problems using technology, but it wasn't really the type of creativity that I was looking for, I guess, um, where it was like creative play. And it was just like, mixing different mediums and taking inspiration from the outside world and putting it into my work. Like, I don't really think I had a chance to do that as a software engineer. But doing that now, it's so like being a business owner and creative person sometimes go head to head with each other of like, do I make the thing that my heart is yearning for, but might only get like 1000 views? Or do I make the thing that is valuable to other people that other people will pay for or definitely watch because I'm a business and I need to stay afloat? Um, all that also kind of just like had implications of like creative work comes from within you. Um, so I've struggled a lot this year of just like, how do I like, how do I be creative? Like what, what, like where does this creativity come from? How can I nurture the creativity? Um, I started like working through this workbook called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron because my therapist recommended me to her because my therapist was like an actress in like the 70s and she was like, honey, you got to read this book. And it basically talks a lot about like recovering your creative self and how you as a person are responsible for constantly replenishing your creative well. And so a lot of it is like um, kind of getting in touch with who you are and like remembering to like be able to be playful and experiment and do things without worrying about the repercussions and stuff, which is like so different from the working style that I've had. So I don't know that that's all been kind of like my biggest theme of 2021. And a lot of it is still unresolved, frankly, but it's these are challenges that weren't really that obvious to me, I guess, until this year. It definitely resonates with me that level of creativity is completely different because I, I don't know, I compare creativity working in tech more akin to creativity as a like a neurosurgeon, right? Like, yeah, you have to right 
be creative with the tools that you're given and solve problems. But at the end of the day, it, it's kind of the different level of creativity yeah. in terms of what you create and what you put out into the world. Yeah, there's still constraints. Like if you're a brain surgeon, you still got to fix the brain of the patient that you're <laughs> that you're like fixing. And in tech, like at the end of the day, you still have to build the thing or make sure the company's profitable kind of thing. But doing so in a world where like, because, you know, they talk about like constraints uh, help foster creativity, which is definitely true. But like, I think there's also some like a benefit to like not having those constraints like what if you could just make whatever you wanted with whatever medium you wanted um and it didn't serve any purpose like it just was because like i think the thing about like being creative in technical stuff or you know the neurosurgeon sort of thing um it serves a purpose of just like making sure your patient lives or making sure that you're delivering features and um, services to to your customer. But like, what if you just made something that was just there because it was a form of self-expression? Um, that's something that I've been constantly like experimenting with on my channel. And I know I've known I like I just the proof is that like the the results show that it definitely doesn't do as well as my other videos, but uh, number numbers wise, like subscriber wise, but it makes me feel good to like make those things. And so it's become apparent to me how important it is to prioritize those kinds of moments and prioritize those opportunities and to not get too bogged down in the like, oh, but I have to deliver value because all these people are trying to get jobs and I need to help them and I'm their friend and I give them, need to give them advice. Sometimes it's okay for me to just like make what I really want to uh, because YouTube is such a platform where I can do that. And my job also allows me some flexibility and leniency to do that, but I also have to make those opportunities, I think. The motivation part of this is to me the probably one of the more controversial parts when you talk to people and they think they want to start a YouTube channel or a podcast or whatever that might be. They start with, I want to monetize that. I want to figure out how to make this a business. And yeah. honestly, I think in my experience, the best channels that I follow are just people that you listen to them and you're like, oh, this person cares about what they're doing. Like one of the most ridiculous things that I've started doing recently, I just subscribed to this guy named Tom Buck. And he just mm -hmm. talks about like microphones and reviews these like mixers, like silly stuff. Like I'm not going to buy any of those microphones, but yeah. it's just so enjoyable because you can clearly tell this guy cares. He yeah. was a teacher of the like the audiovisual arts. And then he decided to, you know, I'll go YouTuber full time. For sure. It comes through. You, it comes through like watching your channel. You can clearly see you care. Watching like Tom's channel, clearly see this person cares about it. They're not doing this. Well, obviously, you know, you want to because it is your job. You do. You have a schedule. You have kind of routine to release content. But at the end of the day, it comes through that this person cares about what they're doing. It's not just a, a money play. Totally. I think that's the thing about content, too. You like, like you can tell if the person's heart and soul is behind it. Like you don't even have to know anything about the creative process. Like you just know as a as a consumer of that content, whether this was like made with like really precise care. Like that's that's like how fandoms work. I think like, you know how like certain fandoms like tear apart certain pieces of work because they're just like this didn't get the attention that it needed or whatever. Like I think we just know like that's just a very intuitive part of everybody. And I think that whole like it it just it shows up in the content. And so I'm also really like amazed. Like sometimes I'll just like go on like YouTube journeys where I'm just like, I wonder what other people are making right now and what's like what people are resonating with. And it 
when I find like really different weird stuff, I'm just like, how? Like, how did you know to make this? Like, what motivates you to make this? Like, how did you think to like make it in this format kind of stuff? I love those kinds of videos, especially like comedy ones specifically. I still think Hot Ones is like kind of a really interesting case of this of just like someone was like, let's just like interview people like suffering while eating hot wings. And now it's this incredibly enormous thing that is one of the biggest shows on YouTube. Um, Like if you pitched that ever to probably any like uh, kind of old school media company, they'd be like, no, like why? But YouTube is such a platform where you can bring those things to life. So yeah, it's, I think people resonate with other people who are having fun and care about stuff and are passionate about stuff. I actually like talked about this in a recent vlog where I was just like, I'm having this issue where I feel like I have to always make tech content, but I don't always want to make tech content. And the comments were so nice. They were like, Miyuko, we're just here for you. Like whatever you want to talk about, we're here for. And I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do to deserve you all? But like, that is how it works. You know, like that's, uh, that's how I feel about certain YouTubers. And you can tell when they're just like checked out or they're just like, they're, they're not into it. You know, it's so obvious. So what I'm hearing is that there's an upcoming Mayuko show that's going to be tasting <laughs> McDonald's fries with different sauces. And that's going to be the next the I'm here ones, for it. <laughs> right? It's like, before you know it, Will Ferrell shows up on your show. <laughs> tasting fries. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about technology, you know, because that's where I'm from. And I'll just be like, Will, like, what's your favorite app and whatever. But like, you know, if, if y'all are into that kind of stuff, make sure to like and subscribe. <laughs> so shout out Will Ferrell. If you're watching yes. this, you know where to go. If you ever want to talk about technology and other life stuff, you know, over at McDonald's or whatever food you want. I also just really like food. So I'm into f making food content. And that's why you had the latest one with onigiri. I did. Yeah, that that was like a that was a passion project. I made a video about how much I freaking love rice balls. And that was one of the things where I was just like, I need to make this for myself. And I'm really glad that I did. This is this was very familiar to me because my wife introduced me to these things that they sell at uh, Korean grocery stores. And they're kind of the same. They're kind oh. of the same, like these rice triangles. But mm -hmm. I, n I never knew what the, what what the official is it, name is. Is it the one where you like peel the outside and then like the... Yes. The, and like the seaweed just magically is like that. Yep. Like that that's onigiri. That's the same thing. See, I'm learning something new on the podcast. <laughs> so that that's why I'm doing this. That whole contraption amazes me. But yes, yeah, that that is onigiri. Food can be very creative, clearly. It can be. <laughs> you know, a year went by. You mentioned that you this was the first calendar year working for yourself. How are you feeling? about that. How are you feeling about the decision to kind of quit a stable full-time job and go into content creation? I'm feeling so good about it. Uh, I think I'm learning so much about like why this was the right decision for me, I suppose. Like as I'm doing this, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this, this is it. This is right for me in a lot of ways. Um, I think like being my own business owner is a big part of that, of just like like when I was working as a software engineer, one of the frustrations that I had was like not being able to um, call, like make my own calls, I suppose, and just like kind of do what I thought was like best for the business or the app or our users or stuff like that. Um, and it makes sense, you know, like in a company, like it, it's important to rally everyone towards like a similar direction and everyone's working towards that one or a, or a few goals. 
But sometimes it would be just frustrating because I'm just like, I just, I really want to try this, but I can't. Um, or like, you know, it's not that I can't, it's just like, it would take a lot of energy from me in order to convince others. But as a content creator, I don't have to do that. I'm just like, you know, if I think it's a good idea, then I should do it. Um, which is great. Like it just having the autonomy. I think that's a very software engineering thing for me to like, enjoy the autonomy of my work. Uh, but that's been good. Like being able to take breaks and naps and vacations whenever I want is definitely great. Um, and, and I think, yeah, the whole like being able to explore who I am, what I want to make, like build creative skills is something that I've never had the chance to do. So being able to do that through content creation has has been like so fun. I'm just like, I sometimes I think about it though, where I'm just like, should I go back to being a software engineer? Should I go back to like, you know, interview and then just like do the full-time 40-hour work week? And then I'm just like, Ooh, like, no, like, I, I really don't. I don't I, like, I mean, there are a few companies that I think would be really cool to work for. But at the end of the day, I, I think I would feel the same way that I did before. Um, especially because I've had like a couple of opportunities to like, build iOS apps in the last few months through my academy, the Honko Academy, where I teach people iOS fundamentals. And like, Whenever I I I, ba I like make a solution app because we give like these um, designs and like uh, requirements to our students to be like okay here's your practice project and we always provide like a like a completed solution which is like here's how I would have made it or here's how my co-founder would have made it and whenever I sit down and do it it's very therapeutic because I remember how to build iOS apps but like I've noticed I get sleepy every time I do it. And I'm like, that's not the reaction I thought I would get from my body. But I literally get so sleepy. And I'm just like, wow, that's so fascinating. It either like I think, number one, it means that I really maybe don't have to use a lot of my brain to do this stuff because it's second nature. Um, and it's just like not inherently exciting to me anymore, I guess, uh, like doing the things that I used to do. Of course, like there's certain avenues of iOS development that I hadn't explored that can be exciting. But just the fact that I get sleepy from building basic apps, I was like, I don't think this is, uh, I don't think I enjoy doing this as much anymore. But it is therapeutic. It's just not what I want to spend most of my day doing anymore, I think. Yeah, for a lot of that, I think it, I went through stages in building side projects the same way. When I first started my career, I was like, I'm going to spend all my like waking time coding. After a day of writing code and dealing with code, I'm just like, nah, I'm good. I am good. <laughs> I am, yeah. you know, I'll be reading a book. Uh, maybe I'll watch a movie. Squid Game, I hear, is good. So I haven't watched it yet. But, you know. There's just so many other things you can do with your time, I think, uh, that are also fun. Like, no judgment to people who spend their free time coding, oh, no, obviously. Of course not. Yeah. But, like, uh, right now, I'm actually at a point where I'm just like, I have a TV show that I really want to binge. I have a book that I really want to binge. And I have a video game that I really want to binge. And there's just not enough hours in the day to do it all. <laughs> What's the I'm video right game? Now. Now, that's the okay. real question. Ace Attorney Chronicles. I don't know if you've ever played the Phoenix Wright series. No, I, I never have, have. It's a lawyer game. <laughs> it's like a RPG. I So I've never played RPG. Not into legal sleuthing games. Um, but Chloe's boyfriend is playing this. And I got really interested because I played a demo of it. And it's a logic game. And I love logic games. So I just downloaded it. Is that the one where there's a meme of like objection? and That one. Exactly. 
That's okay. the one. <laughs> All right. Now, now I kind of get an idea of what that is. I never played it though. Sounds fun. Like I know. Uh, I'm oh, I'm still in the like tutorial section because you know how video games you spend like an hour in tutorials. Um, and I just I haven't had the time to like c- continue past that. And I'm just like I need like a full weekend to only play this. Um, and I'm also watching One Piece right now, the anime, and I'm at a really good part of the story. And so it's just like, there's just so many stuff, like things that I want to do that, like all these things that take higher precedence than coding right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's, if it's age or if it's realization or being jaded from the industry or whatever, but <laughs> it's just kind of realizing that there, you know, there's more to life than writing code. There is. Yeah. It's as simple as I, that. I will say, though, like, I think because I'm not, I don't have to code for money anymore, I guess. There are certain technologies that I'm now finally getting exposed to where I'm just like, oh, this is kind of cool. And like before, I think like whenever I came across a new technology, it was just like, okay, maybe I should know this. Maybe I should like study it and use it so that I can be competitive and I can add it to my skills and add it to my resume. And like there's this kind of like pressure around it. But now I'm kind of just like, I'll only, like if I'm really interested in technology, I'll do it because I'm interested. And I kind of started to read up about like how NFTs work. And I'm kind of inter- like, I'm just like, oh, this is really interesting. I have no interest in like cryptocurrency or any of that stuff that's going on per se as like an investment opportunity. But like how artists are using NFTs um, to create like really catered experiences, like with memberships and all of that, like all of the ways that other people are using technology to help them is like kind of cool. And I'm just like, wow, I'm actually interested in technology. Like who knew? Like this hasn't happened in a long time. So that's been kind of cool. A hundred percent that because this is me in terms of figuring out what I want to build because sometimes it's just the pure curiosity. Right. Yeah. I have a stream deck. At some point, I'm like, oh, you know what? I kind of don't like the software that they install with it. I'm just going to write my own. I have yeah. no idea. I've never written any drivers, none of that like low level stuff. I'm, like, I'm just curious. And yeah. they start fiddling with it. It's like, it works. I can click the button and they can put the picture that I want without. Right. Like it's exciting, but it's completely meaningless. It's not related to my job. I'm not trying to monetize that in any capacity. It's curiosity. And that's what I hear from you too, is that curiosity is like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder how this works. I wonder if I can build this with this. Totally. Like when it's curiosity with like the like curious to explore, but like without any sort of like purpose, like that stuff is fun. Like that to me is like it's it's like kids playing. There's no use in playing really with blocks, maybe it's like developing motor function and stuff, which is pretty important. But like building certain Legos is not gonna like get you into college per se, but you do it as a kid. Uh, And I feel like, I don't know, maybe as we grow older, we just like forget to do that sometime or certain people really forget how to do that. And it's something that I realized that I'm just like, you know, I think that's something that I'll always want to carry with me as I get older, just like having the space to play and be curious and explore the world because we should make use of our time on this earth and do stuff like that. I mean, Legos, like behind me, I have like a crane and a garbage truck. <laughs> I, dude, I saw. It's so cool. Like I, I, the garbage truck is the one that I built most recently. And my wife and I, we just got into Legos. Like this wow. is where all, like we have a set from the TV show Friends that now they have a set oh, for that. Oh, I uh, know that. 
there's a cement mixer truck that's coming up. So I'm excited about that. And it's like, it's the dumb stuff that somebody's like, wait, what? It's like child story. It's like, sometimes it's so cathartic just like sit on the floor and just assemble a bunch of Legos. Right. Yeah, totally. Like for me, it's cooking a lot of the time. Like cooking to me is so cathartic because it's just, I mean, feeding yourself nutrition is important to like stay alive. Right. But like, <laughs> you know, of course. Being, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, well, you can make something good that you're just like, you know, I could have, what's that shake that was like really popular in San Francisco that was like a meal and a shake uh, based off of a sci-fi thing. Soylent? Soylent, yes. Oh, like, tastes like cardboard. Soylent, dude, I never even tried because I was just like, why would you drink Soylent when you could have like food? That tastes yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, which I get. It. You know, some people like sometimes you don't have time to do that. But I, like, I'm like, I always want to make time for good food. Like, if I'm not making time for good food, something is heavily off balance. Um, so my birthday was in October, and I was just like, like I know, like you're supposed to like enjoy yourself on your birthday, and some people go on cruises and just like whatever. And I'm like, I want to bake. Because nobody asked for it except me. And I just really want to eat this one thing. And it was so cathartic. And I was just, it tasted so good. I made these cardamom buns um, that are basically like cinnamon rolls, but with cardamom. And it was so good. And that was incredible. Why are we not in California right now? Like, that's the question <laughs> because I feel like this is this is where we need to go for baked goods now. But uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, you know, it's sometimes it's good to make time for these seemingly silly things the small things that just kind of like feed your soul kind of way totally yeah you know what's funny though i like the last episode i was on we were talking about hustle culture i think you and courtney asked me about that and like that was the first time that i verbalized i was like you know i don't i'm, I'm not a huge fan of hustle culture like i think it's it's been a thing but i've never like talked about it and that episode inspired me to make a video about how I don't prescribe to hustle culture, which is now one of my most highest performing videos uh, because a lot of people resonated with it. But it really is is kind of like that. Like the, my point in that video was like, not everything you do has to amount to something. Uh, like if you pack your schedule with things for the sake of optimizing or something, like for me at least, it's it ends up feeling very hollow. Um, I used to think like this is okay. This is very unscientific, but like there's like, uh, and don't quote me on this. I'm like heavily like like uh, preceding this with all of these things, but like I've heard that in the brain, it's really important to develop something called gray matter. Um, and in order to develop gray matter, you have to kind of like do nothing. Like it's stuff that you can't like really train to like, like you can train your brain to be faster at math problems. You can train your brain to have faster reaction time. But gray matter is one of those things that develops by like not really doing anything and just letting it be. And so before I really could verbalize like why hustle culture didn't jive with me, I used to just think to myself, I'm like, I don't think I have enough gray matter in my brain because I, it just didn't, I felt very anxious. I felt very like I have to go, go, go all the time and I couldn't slow down. Um, and so I wasn't comfortable with like just existing. But especially after I made that video, I really like, 2021 has been me like allowing myself to slow down and being actually okay with it. Like not doing it because it's the right thing to do, but doing it because I want it to be that way. So yeah, you know, things like baking and like making Legos, I think is like all kind of a part of that. Like we're not machines at the end of the day. So why, 
why treat ourselves like that, you know? That resonates with me again. I And I say that a lot throughout this entire show, but <laughs> it's one of those things where scientific or not, it is also at least feels true because you get more creative ideas once you have the opportunity to disconnect. Like to me, if sometimes I'm stuck on a problem, tech or not, you're just kind of, you know, trying to kind of marinate on that problem and think about it. It's like, I don't know if this is the right approach. I don't know if this is that. Just go for a walk. Go for like an hour walk and you come back and you're like, okay, now I can actually think much clearer than if you're just sitting in that problem nonstop, nonstop and trying to figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. Definitely. Yeah. Walks are literally the best. That's also something I realized this year. Like I have two dogs and so I take walks just for them all the time. But I noticed that if I am not walking the dogs and just Scott is walking the dogs and I start feeling like I'm pent up and I'm just like, oh, I need I need walks. And then I joked to my husband, I'm just like, you need to take me on a walk like once at least once a day because it helps just like move whatever is in there. Uh, and like being in nature, being outside of your own head, being away from your computer is like so important. Like a lot of the work is not active. It's a lot of inactive, involuntary stuff. You just got to let your brain marinate, you know? This reminds me when folks get a little bit confused because they think like, oh, they're paying this person to do their job. They're working like two hours a day. But you know what? Those two hours a day, they probably make the best decisions probably. <laughs> I, again, yeah. not maybe not everyone, because I'm sure there's, <laughs> but also sometimes it's like that expertise of being able to just clear your head and say like, but for those two hours, I know exactly how to tackle this problem and solve it in a way that somebody working 12 hours cannot figure out. Yeah, that's the thing that I like, that's been on my mind a lot, actually, about this whole kind of like eight hour, 40 hour work day, sort of, or work week, rather, because um, there, I feel like. I don't know, at least for me, I always felt this expectation that like I have to put eight hours in a day kind of thing. So if I were to take a meeting that wasn't work related in the day, then I have to make it up for another hour. Um, of course, if you're like billable and you're on contract work, then you actually have to do that. But as a full time employee, like it doesn't really matter. Um, and I think in tech, it's often talked about it was just like, oh, it doesn't matter how often or where you work or whatever, so long as you get your work done. But I don't really know if that's truly the case, I guess. Like, if you do spend six hours of your day thinking about the problem or taking walks or like taking whatever else away, but then you're able to do the two hours uh, and get everything done, then does it justify the other six hours? Like, I don't know. I think that's that's probably one part of the whole like remote work conversation that's happening right now of like, do we let people work remotely or do we call them back in the office thing? Like there's so much changing in how we work right now. That's been pretty interesting. Yeah, that's also a tricky one because I, I mean, I've, I've heard that many times being said that in any given day, any given work day, only about four hours is how much productive mental labor you can essentially exert by, before it starts degrading because you're tired, you're exhausted. And that kind of resonates. But also what you mentioned about the kind of remote work aspect of things, it's very hard to disconnect when you work remotely. Because yeah. you're kind of working the same, right? Your office is usually the same space where you're living. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, some people have houses that you can have like a separate office. So you can go to the living room, the bedroom, doesn't matter. But for a lot of folks, myself included, if this is the space where you live and play video games and everything is happening and it's hard to just say, oh, okay. I'm going to disconnect, but like, why disconnect if my computer's right here? And then Slack pops up and somebody's messaging you, or there's an email that pops up and they're like, oh, I'll just answer this one. 
And then yeah. you end up, you know, wake up at like, you know, six in the morning and then go to sleep at 10. And then you realize like throughout the day, you have these like chunks of working, 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 and you never disconnect. Yeah, that's literally the reason why I can't play computer games, because if I sit at my computer, I will not play games. I'll end up working <laughs> like I noticed that about myself. I'm just like, I can't go to my computer and like enjoy like I it becomes work mode because it's like, OK, but wait, let me check my email. Like, wait, let me check Slack. Like, you know, let's just see how that video is doing like um, or oh, I forgot to reply to this email or something like that. So it's it's so tricky. I don't know how it's going to end up going i suppose is netlify like all remote right i mean right now it's probably yes. all remote right they're they're all remote yeah they they had headquarters in san francisco up mm -hmm. until the pandemic hit and now we're completely remote and they're actually having a in-person gathering soon which i cannot go because Ooh. of all the immigration stuff that oh. is very fun but it's kind of one of those things where you still need that human connection which is exactly. very, very important. I think that's going to be a reckoning for a lot of teams and companies shifting to remote, that this does not absolve you from having to meet in person because nothing can replace face-to-face -face communication. I don't, I don't think Zoom and Skype and Teams and whatever else is not a replacement for in-person sitting down in the room with somebody and just riffing on some ideas, using a whiteboard and thinking about it, you know, every, even every once in a while, it doesn't need to be every day. It doesn't need to be every week, but yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it's a very weird environment that I don't think again, non-scientific approach from my side, but I don't think humans are prepared for it. I don't think we, we as social creatures are not prepared to live in isolation and only see this 2d screen in front of us. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I, I I had this conversation with someone the other day about like kind of just like what's happening with remote work and stuff like that. And I think like I'm I'm probably more towards the remote camp than anything, but I think there is like like when when I think about like how I used to go to the office every day and stuff like that, there were days where I just didn't talk to anybody because I didn't mm -hmm. need to. Um of course. or there were conversations that I had that I was like, this had no purpose whatsoever. But that like in spending time with people, like talking to people at lunch, just like talk, you know, talking about work stuff or not work stuff, there is a bond that gets created. Uh, and that is really important. And so I'm curious to see if any companies do the kind of like, I mean, I guess Netlif Netlify is one where like you do like the work, I guess a lot of the work stuff happens remotely, but then there's like these company retreats where you do kind of yes. nothing but like team building. Cause I think that team building is so important. Like in-person communication is how you can get vibe checks. It's how you can like create moments and relationships and stuff like that. And like, there's something about feeling another person's energy, like being in the same space that like facilitates that sort of thing. And especially in companies, it's really important to get that sort of like togetherness and like team cohesion that is really hard in like a zoom or virtual setting. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'm going to be remote forever, but I'm also just like, maybe I should get people together somewhere and we should just like work together because like I I want to I want to hang out with people and meet people and stuff. So who knows what will happen? That's for 2022 to decide, I suppose. Back to the topic of creativity. I think some of the most creative ideas I got just talking to other people. It wasn't me. Oh, for sure. It was yeah. not me. It's talking to other people, you know, in some environment, but just kind of 
informal conversation. It's not just about work. It's just like mm-hmm. getting somewhere in a conference room and be like, what about this solution? What about this? And then you're like, holy crap, hold on a second. I totally came up with this totally random thing that I did not think about because of like, uh, you just mentioned this one thing and never would have came up with it by myself. Exactly. Yeah. I'm in the middle of writing a book right now in Japanese. And it's a book for people who are in Japan, who are Japanese, Japanese speakers who want to come to um, America or like English speaking country to work in tech. And so a lot of it is supposed to be kind of like a guidebook of just like, here's Mm -hmm. like phrases that are important to know. Um, Here are ways that people talk here that you might not have learned in English class growing up. And so I've been writing this book for a long time. And for a long time, I wasn't really getting any feedback. Like everything was remote. We were exchanging um, ideas and feedback through email. And I felt very just like, like, oh my God, I just want to be done with this book because it was taking a long time. But then I met, but then my editor and I were like, maybe we should like meet weekly because then we can actually just kind of like exchange ideas and stuff. And the whole like premise or the format of the book has changed so much since we started doing that because we just kept riffing on each other of just like, like he's Japanese, I'm American, like we can just like exchange ideas and see and brainstorm and figure out like what's good and what's not good and how can we incorporate things and try things out and figure out what works like like ever since that just like the spark lit back in me and I was just like oh this is like fun again and it wouldn't have like just doing it remotely by myself through email like it definitely would have just felt like a chore at a certain point yeah I think that also comes from partially oftentimes folks glorify this kind of solo hero where it's like I locked myself in a room in some cabin in the woods for 12 months came out with this genius book like I'm Ernest Hemingway or somebody like that doesn't that's that's like an exception more so than the rule definitely and if they do do that it's because they spent all of the time before that like formulating the idea and getting inspiration that they were exploding with ideas that they literally needed to just get it out of their system like right that's how right. i do that <laughs> it's what we talked about the 10-year overnight success right is it because yeah. we see that immediate effect is like wow this person is famous but completely ignore the years and like sometimes decades of work that they put into that before they got to the point where it was like, oh, now people are paying attention. Yeah. And that work is always so invisible too because you know those videos that are just like one hit wonders of just like, um, like their random family videos usually or their random pet videos that like get 5 million views or whatever. Um, and there's like some editing and stuff. And like that person has no other videos on their channel. They don't plan to become a YouTuber by any means. Um, I think a lot about that because like my day in the life video is kind of like that where I didn't really know that I wanted to be a YouTuber per se. I just knew, knew that I wanted to put out a video. And that idea of like showing my life uh, in this cool, like no talking, very chill thing with lo-fi in the background literally was an idea in my head for like 10 years. Um, the idea actually originally spawned when like, I think I was like spending my, one of my summers in high school in Japan riding the Shinkansen, the bullet train. And I just thought like, oh, this this scenery would just go so well with new jobs, like, like lo-fi hip hop music. Uh, and it wasn't until like 2017 when I was like, I can just do that. Like lo-fi is kind of, there's a lot more lo-fi now than there was like even seven years ago. So I should just do it. Uh, and so I did it, but it was like, it literally was an idea in my head for so long that I've like thought about, like, I think I've actually made a couple of like 
um, versions of like, oh, just some nice scenery, like aesthetic stuff with lo-fi in the background. And now that's literally my whole channel. My whole channel is this aesthetic vibes with lo-fi in the background. So I was going to ask what inspired you for that, the music, because it seems to be consistent across all the videos, but that answers that question. It, yeah, literally like in college, I don't know if you're familiar with New Job is or um, any of those kind of like old kind of they're kind of old school. Like a lot of people think of them as like the the forefathers, the creators of lo-fi. And I listened to them a lot in college. But in college, I remember being like, I want more of this. But where is it? And I couldn't find it because it wasn't a genre. Uh, and then I think around 2016, 2017 was when it became more of a genre. That's when like the lo-fi hip hop girl, I think, kind of came into public view and a lot more artists started to come. And now we're just like rich with lo-fi. Like there's so much lo-fi out there in the world. But I've like always loved that kind of music. Uh, and it just so happens to like work and people resonated with it because I love it and I still listen to lo-fi and it literally is the BGM of my life and it probably will be forever. It kind of sets the the tone, I guess, that it's more chill, like yeah. paced. It's not that, you know, like active, like all these things are happening. It's just more just like kind of like sit back, relax, enjoy. Yeah, I think I like it, too, because it's very neutral, I guess. Uh, where like it's soft sounds like it's not just a guitar strumming it's not just just a piano playing it's a lot more atmospheric like that um, and it's just very pleasant to have in the background I guess yeah I listen to lo-fi like like literally I just cycle through lo-fi and classical music and jazz all the time it's just like background music but it's literally just a part of my channel now and I found one specific lo-fi artist that I absolutely love and I like only use his stuff for my videos but again, like it, that, I, that's like not one of those things. Now that I think about it, it's not like an overnight decision. It's a decision that's been brewing in my mind since like high school. I like that also for some of the lo-fi channels, it's always an animated character. It's the lo-fi girl. <laughs> there's chilled cow. Oh, there chilled is cow, yeah. Uh -huh. The lo-fi watermelon. I forget what it's called. Oh, I don't know about yeah, that. It was like one. a lo-fi fruit or some. It's something along those lines. And yeah. then there is the chill hop, which is the raccoon. Mm -hmm, and that, mm -hmm. that all, somehow it's all animated characters. I don't know. Like someone should make like a documentary about lo-fi because I would genuinely be interested because I think for at least for me and I know a lot of other people share this, but like lo-fi kind of makes you like reminds you of like Ghibli movies and just how slow paced they are, you know, because like the lo-fi girl looks like someone in a Ghibli movie, but I don't know if that is shared across the whole genre and what like there's no lo-fi in Ghibli movies, but maybe there's something to be said about the music in Ghibli movies that is similar to it when actually my favorite lo-fi is Ghibli lo-fi. So when they take music from Ghibli movies and they lo-fi it like that is my jam. Like I love that stuff so much. Now I need to find that. I never I'll heard of that. a playlist. <laughs> it's really good. Especially the tracks from Spirited Away are like so good in lo-fi I didn't form. realize a lo-fi-fied lo then? <laughs> what's, lo what's even the word? I don't know. Lo-fi. <laughs> Lo-fi-fied? Lo-fi-fied? That doesn't <laughs> sound right. I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe sampled the track. They sampled the track. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The lo-fi is one of those genres that also you never expected to become super popular, but somehow yeah. it's everywhere now. 
it is, is. I don't know. Maybe my YouTube algorithm. Maybe I look at too much of those YouTube videos where now YouTube just just pops a bit. Like, yeah, but clearly you care about this. Here's more. And yeah. everyone else is like not in my bubble. So I just don't know. But it seems <laughs> like there's so many options now. I think it transcends YouTube though, right? Because like Spotify, when you go into their focus, like when you're looking for a playlist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lo-fi is always there. Um, I sometimes wish you could exclude Lo-fi from like whatever algorithms you're part of because my Spotify Discover Weekly is like, you listened to 20 hours of Lo-fi last week. So here's some more Lo-fi. I am a, like, was about to apply to Spotify just to fix that problem because <laughs> this was the most annoying thing. Like sometimes I just want to listen to like two or three Drake songs or something. I don't mm -hmm. want my whole playlist to sound like that. <laughs> like that's not like, that's not what I'm after at all. For and sure. Just, can I have a playlist that says like, do not count this in the algorithm. Just, yeah, just don't. Yeah. Ignore it. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, like YouTube is sort of easy-ish because if you do it in the browser, you can kind of incognito it. I mean, it still tracks your IP address and stuff like that. But yeah. it's still like you, there's ways around it. But Spotify, literally, there is no way around it except to make a new account or like to massage the algorithm. Yeah. That's yeah. so Spotify product managers. If you're listening to this <laughs> feature request, please, please, please let us. Exclude. And if it's not me, then Mayuko has half a million YouTube subscribers. So probably has <laughs> way more weight to her opinion on that one. But also just as a voice of the user, I've tried to do the whole like, you know, in Discover Weekly, you can thumbs down things to be like, yes. I don't want this kind of stuff. I even tried that where I was like, Certain weeks, I would just thumbs down all of the lo-fi music because I'm like, literally, don't recommend this to me because I will find it. You don't need to feed it to me. And it still didn't work. So I was just like, y'all's algorithms not listening to uh, the user input as much or something. I don't know how it works, but would be great to uh, exclude lo-fi. But then they made the change that made it way scary because I was like, I don't like this artist. I don't like the song. Like, no, 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 no. I like the artist. I like the right. song. I just yeah. don't want to listen to it in my Discover playlist. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Contextual recommendations. Maybe that's, Contextual. that's what they got to do. Yeah. So we are getting to the top of the hour. Wow. And time flew by. And I'm just looking at the list of all the topics that I had to discuss. <laughs> and we just got through like three and then sidetracked on a bunch of other conversations that clearly were more interesting. <laughs> but Again, the reason for having Mayuko for episode three with Mayuko. But in the meantime, let's make it interesting to wrap up the year. And we're going to break the typical question flow and go into the rapid fire questions. So yes. not elaborate, very quick. And we have just a few minutes to answer them. So let's go with number one, clicky keyboard or not? Uh, clicky, but nice and lubed keyboard. Is that for, so for custom keyboards then? Custom keyboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Fancy. Like I'd rather a mechanical keyboard that is like thocky uh, than like a really clicky, loud, like Cherry MX blues, like so loud that your coworkers are annoyed at you kind of clicky. In any meeting, they know you're typing and not paying attention. <laughs> tabs or spaces? Uh, tabs. Notes on the computer or paper? Oh, this one is hard. Both? Both. I like both. I go back and forth between computer and paper. What do you use for, uh, well, what do you use for taking notes on paper and the computer? Uh, on the computer, I use Notion. Everything is in Notion. And on paper, I use this notebook where I put literally everything in there uh, because I really want to fill a notebook for once in my life because I've never done that before. <laughs> well, okay. Next question then. Favorite way to relax? Uh, just on the couch, 
petting my dogs and watching TV. That does sound pretty relaxing. <laughs> Favorite home cooked food that is not onigiri. I love that you put not onigiri. Um, oh, that's a good question. I think I think the first thing that comes to my mind is this creamy chicken stew that my mom likes to make that I also learned how to make. It's so easy, but it's like ultimate comfort food. I can't quite pinpoint the reason, but this podcast is making me really hungry lately. Um, <laughs> talked a lot about food. To-do lists or no to-do lists? Ooh, to-do lists for certain things and no to-do lists for other things. I, I like the total non-answer to this. It's like, <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> Contextual, yeah. yeah. Ebooks or paper books? Uh, I like paper books, but ebooks are more convenient for traveling. Favorite blog? Uh, favorite blog? That's a good one. Um, I mean, this is going to be another food wreck, but uh, there's this YouTuber on... Uh, YouTube named uh, Food Wishes, and it's run by this guy named Chef John. He runs a book or he runs a blog called Food Wishes. He's like a traditionally trained chef, and I literally learned how to cook from him. Um, and his, I've made like hundreds of his recipes, and they're all great. Also, then check out the show notes later for links to this <laughs> channel. Yes. Um, most memorable YouTube video that you created that is not a day in the life because we already talked about that. Yeah, uh, I think I made a video this year about why, uh, like what happened to the tech industry in Japan. That was a really cool video to work on because I talked about like, because in the 90s, 80s, 90s, consumer electronics era of tech, um, not YouTube, Japan was like a huge giant in that Panasonic, Sony, um, all of those companies. But now they're not around. Like where, where did Japan go? Like Japan is absent in Silicon Valley. Um, and so I made a video about that where I interviewed lots of different people from Japan, from the States about why that is. Uh, and it was really interesting because two parts of my brain, my Japanese side and my tech side, who have never talked to each other before, talked to each other and made a video about it. And I had some really gnarly dreams during that time because my brain was literally reorganizing so many different parts of itself. But uh, it was such a fun video. It was a very personal video and I really am proud of it. So also link in the show notes. So check that out. It's a must see. And to wrap this up, the last question is, as we're, well, almost soon going into the new year, 2022, hopefully a little bit less crazy, famous last words, as <laughs> we said about 2021. But if you'd share something with folks listening to this going into the new year, what would it be? Yeah, this is um, a piece of advice that I got from my therapist that rings in my head all the time. And I think it's so true. I just think in this day and age where we're all going like up against many different challenges that sometimes feel too big for us or feel like we're not ready, uh, you're supposed you account you encounter challenges when you're supposed to and when you're ready for them. Um, I think life throws the right conditions and right challenges at you and at the right time, even if it feels like it's not the right time and you're not ready. Um, it's like, you just have to trust the process. Uh, five years later, you're going to look back and be like, I was ready for that and I killed it or like, I'm fine now. So, uh, whatever challenges may come in the new year, you got this positivity. I like that. <laughs> I, I really, really like that theme of just no matter what you got this. Yep. Mayuko, thank you so much for being with us today. This has been 
one of the like easiest interviews because we just have so much stuff to talk about. I kid you not. We do. I, uh, I like, there are so many other good questions that you thought of so that I'm sad we didn't get to, but again, all the more reason I would love to be back here, but uh, yes. thank you for having me today. I had so much fun as always. This is always such a pleasure to be here. So thanks for having me. Thank you. And we'll see you in a new year. Yeah. See you.